This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 382 for Thursday, November 12th, 2020. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Lou Page is back. You can find him at Busy Zombie Lord on all the social media that matters, and co-hosting Zombies Ate My Podcast with Ryan Murphy, who was on the show just a couple of weeks ago. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you for having me again. Hey, always, always, always. And it's been, I, I find it funny. Like, you know, I have the same intro. It's its kind of old hat at this point. But you usually say, thank you for having me again. And it's been years. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, always a pleasure, though, uh, of course. Um, what's new in the world of um, zombies? Because when I last talked to Ryan, I think you were just kicking off the season or the final season of walking dead like is it all as as, is it as frustrating as you have painted the picture to be (laughs) well okay amc really needs to learn to get their crap together and not not that they don't do a good job or do a bad job but they now have three walking dead series uh they aired what they called the finale of this past season of walking dead because it was because of COVID, they had to stop production on it. And so they never aired the season finale. So you were left at a, like a cliffhanger moment where you're like, okay, uh, so what's going to happen? And so they finally released the the, the, the the season finale and then announced, oh, yeah, that's not the season finale. There's six more episodes. <laughs> and, we're, and I'm like, then it's not the season finale. Then why are you advertising it as the season finale? If you're doing six more episodes that are considered this season. Yeah, I dislike the current trend in marketing and marketing communication on many different companies' fronts. They don't seem to know what they're talking about. Like, it just, it's like the left hand is not talking to the right hand at all. Yeah. It drives me crazy. Uh, uh, apparently, the reason they're not considering those, these n- next, I think it's six episodes, th- part of the season is it's going to basically be each episode is going to focus on one character. And a bunch of the characters are separated, so it's not really going to be telling a cohesive story. It's going to be lining up little details in little short vignettes to set up for next season. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, I get that, but then don't call that then don't call that a season, or don't call that this season. Call it a mini season or something. Don't... Yeah, Star Trek did something, um, not in terms of marketing like confusion but they released a bunch of like little mini episodes on youtube for just discovery uh at least i think it was youtube and uh, uh the, 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 i think that the, are you talking about those like mini sods that they did mini on tracks uh, or they something, might, yeah. yeah 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 um if if not youtube then certainly like a star trek website somewhere uh but like i i had no interest in them like i just and and i i just want to watch the seasons and i 
I don't think they were essential, but there seemed to be some things that ended up being like, oh, it's better. It makes more sense if you watch this mini so It's like, yeah, but I don't like I it's not the venue that I want. Like, I don't I, I don't want short form content like that. Like um, Quibi was this thing that that was around for a bit and people were doing these short form, you know, entertainment videos that did not catch on for good reason. People don't. Like I get enough short form video and if I want short form video, I want it to be like three minutes or less. Like, you but know, not only that, if you want short form video, you're going to do it on YouTube. Yeah. But, but, but I also don't want short form narrative. Like I don't, I don't want to watch yeah. a mystery or a, or a crime procedural in, in 15 minute chunks. Like, no thanks. Nope. Like, you know, now am I, am I over the 44 four minute with, you know, four commercial breaks? you know yes pattern yeah of course i am you know but i you know i i like the the things on netflix you know like i'm looking forward to um the crown coming back on netflix and it's a weird show for me to be into but i happen to quite like the writing and the acting and you know but it's it's just done well and it's the kind of format that i want that kind of entertainment in um obviously not as like what's going to happen next as like a mystery because obviously it's a it's a period piece and everybody knows what happened but um still like it's it's th that kind of format is just not something that i'm that i'm interested in um but um so are these these are actually released on amc these are the full episodes yep these are going to be on tv but they're not coming for like another month or two and they it sounds like amc doesn't even know where they're going to wedge them in because they already have two other walking dead shows so they're going to like air it when one ends and the uh, I I don't know anymore. Yeah, it really feels like they're spreading this thin. Well, like, they, well, not only that, but they're adding two more series after this season of Walking Dead because this upcoming season is going to be the end. And instead of like just letting the show go out to go out, AMC's announced, "Oh no no no, don't lose track now. We're going to do three other shows based in the Walking Dead universe." And I'm like, "Your other shows are already not doing good." AMC, you can't just change your name to the the Walking Dead Network. It doesn't work. Yeah, and I like our viewers. Like, how are people not tapped out of zombie stuff? Like, I just uh, their viewership is way, 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 way down. Mm -hmm. uh, back at the height of the show, they were getting twenty five million viewers on a Sunday night, and now they're down to like barely getting four. Wow! And it's only getting four if it's an episode where like it's like. It's the episode where Rick dies. Mm -hmm. Okay, everybody watches, and it's like four million viewers. And then in the meantime, Fear the Walking Dead, which has kind of become my favorite of the series, is, uh, and not because it's good, but just because it does things very differently than the other show. Uh, everybody hates it, and critics keep calling it a piece of garbage, even though I find it's writing way better than regular Walking Dead, mm -hmm. and uh, and they don't do the same kind of tricks that regular walking dead do does. I mean, sometimes they do, but not as much. Uh, so when like you say tricks, whole, what do you mean? Like so-and-so is going to die. And they went a whole season in fear the walking dead where nobody died or like one person died. And it was like middle of the season. Right. And I was like, and I was like, Hey, that's nice. Where they're not like hinting that somebody's going to die. Cause you know, Walking Dead at this point has changed its cast so many times because you know somebody has to die every three episodes. Yeah, yeah. I that's and that's something that I got tired of of just like this constant. I mean, I guess that's the whole 
trope of the genre though is that you know don't get attached to these characters like game of thrones was sort of like that in in a way um but uh, like i just i'm i kind of like series like um battlestar galactica was good in that the characters didn't necessarily die but you were then kind of they would switch sides because they would be revealed to be like a cylon in hiding yeah. Uh, and and unaware of uh, unaware of it even themselves it's not like they were faking it the whole time and then revealed to be this you know amazing trickster it's like they had no clue <laughs> until yeah. they were you know woken up or, i don't even remember the details of how that happened but uh it was um it was it was really cool because you you had that feeling that you know not that no one in the in the title credits was safe but no like that the the show's trajectory was very unpredictable because if one of those people one of the people in your main crew becomes a cylon it changes the dynamic right whereas i yeah. find like with walking dead when somebody dies it doesn't necessarily change the dynamic that much it just kind of like I, dwindles well, the herd my my gripe <laughs> with walking dead and who they kill off is uh it usually has to do with somebody's contract right or it has to do with something going on in their real life. Or it has to do they're running out of ideas. And so I can usually predict who's going to die and in what episode, like, weeks in advance. It's a running joke on, on Zombies Ain't My Podcast that, that Ryan likes to joke I'm a writer for the show because I can usually predict who's going to die. And, <laughs> like, when they when they killed off um carl a couple seasons ago uh i called it like the beginning of the season because the actor was getting ready to go to college mm -hmm. and there was a bunch of stuff and i was like no no no, he's going to college and they're gonna have to write around and film around his college schedule so he's gonna have to like and he was going someplace like in new york for college and so he was gonna have to fly back and forth to atlanta every week to do his do his stuff and i was like they're not going to want to deal with that they're going to just kill him off and they're like the, and everybody was like no why would they kill him off his character is really important in the comics i'm like amc doesn't care about the comics right amc's just going to kill him off yeah. and lo and behold they killed him off and they killed him off in like the worst most painful way they could it was the most useless and pointless death and and people were mad about it and i was like and more people were like why didn't they just leave you let him stick around and i'm like and that was when numbers started to tank for AMC at that point. And I was like, yeah. see? I was about to ask, like, if, if, if when they start making decisions like that, that's when you start to lose viewers. Like, when, yeah. when major characters that have been around for, like, their entire lives, both in terms of the character's standpoint and the actor's, <laughs> uh, like, and it just, and it's ending without reason. I mean, that's one of the reasons why Game of Thrones was, it's just not talked about anymore. Right, like people make jokes about it, but they don't reference the eight or six years of like edge of seat entertainment that you had in these epic moments because they botched the ending big yep. time. My my the, the the thing that kills me with Walking Dead is, uh, I I I think it's pretty much public knowledge at this point that they announced they were going to kill Rick off. Rick's going to die. Rick's going to die. Six more episodes. Oh yeah. Find out what happens to Rick. And then at the last second of the episode, Rick gets shot and this mysterious group of people throw him in a helicopter and then he rides off into the sunset and then we never hear from him again. 
And that was like three seasons ago, right? Mm-hmm. And so like every six or seven episodes, they drop a hint that Rick's still alive. And I'm like, I don't care. Like he left the show because he wanted to go spend time with his family because he's up from England and not from America. Right. And, and, and that was the reason he left the show. And he agreed to do three movies for you people. And stop hinting at the movies. Just give me one of these stupid movies because I really don't care anymore. Yeah. Yeah, when they drag when they drag stuff out, like it just it it's like shows that just go like well, it's not like shows that go on too on too long. It is a show that goes on too long. You know, I'm yep. I'm trying to remember like trying to remember well, Smallville. Smallville went on too long. They should have wrapped Smallville mm-hmm. up in about six seasons and it went on for yep. nine, I think. Uh, and yep. there, I mean, nine was good, but I won like season eight, seven or eight. I can't remember whichever one had doomsday and it was terrible. By uh, the time you got, I, I've watched most of Smallville, not all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the time I got to like season six, I was like, I just don't care anymore. Yeah. They kind of, they, they just, there was a, I feel like seasons four and five were good. I can't remember all the details about what happened when, but there's definitely some things when they took, when they took Clark to a different place and they, they expanded his powers or expanded his responsibility, or it was kind of interesting when they started adding other characters, like you get to meet Aquaman and you yeah. know, th- like those kind of things. Uh, it, it was a missed opportunity because of the licensing. It's too bad that there wasn't more of a crossover with like, when I guess, I guess at that point there wouldn't have been a Batman because bat, like Bruce Wayne would have been a teenager off in Tibet somewhere, you know, doing his, his thing, his training. You know, because if they're yeah. roughly the same ish age, you know, give or take a few years. But it's too bad that like later on in seasons when Clark is not in university, he's in Metropolis, he's working at the Daily Planet and he's like the blur or whatever he was. Uh, there could have been more crossover. He, no superhero stuff. It just would have been nice fan service to have like um, a Wonder Woman crossover, you know, a Bruce Wayne Batman crossover, you know, uh, touch and base. It's too bad that the Smallville happened before. And I'm not saying that the DC stuff is good anymore, but they do have some mom- fun moments over the last few years with the crossover episodes, the big crisis on Infinite yeah. Earth kind of thing. Those are my favorite episodes. Of those. Yeah. Like I, I sit through those shows specifically just so I can get to those moments. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I don't know if I'm ever going to sit through an episode of Batgirl again. No. Batwoman again. I can tell you that much. No. I, yeah. I've, I, Alistair um, keeps me up to speed, but even he's fallen off most of them. It's, it's, it, he, he's invested, I think, in the Flash the most, but because he's been on board for the whole ride, he's like, well, I can't stop now. <laughs> like, I kind of want to see how this goes. But like, it's I, I'll get texts and stuff from him, just like uh, you know, um, explaining what happened in the episode, and we're I'm basically like predicting the next thing, and he's like, "Yep, that's exactly what happened." I was like, "Oh, dude, I'm so glad I'm not watching these anymore." And he's just you know expressing his frustration with it because it's yeah, like I just it's too bad that we don't have more shows like that. And unfortunately, I mean, and I know this is a small price to pay with the pandemic. There's a lot more important things in the world going on than how it's affecting entertainment, but. Um, I am looking forward to whatever uh, Disney is going to offer uh, as far as um, Marvel shows go, you know, like the Winter Soldier and Falcon and stuff like that. Like I kind of I'm well, hoping I'm we're ex- going to get less I'm, procedural, you know, I'm ex- I'm excited for those just because specifically I don't think they're going to be they're not they're, they're going to be like Mandalorian. It's going to be like eight episodes and we're done for. Season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, it's I, funny. I, 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 I can't remember the exact count, but I think WandaVision is only eight episodes. 
Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I want to say the, if I'm guessing, I'm saying the Mandalorian probably wraps up the week of Christmas. Like I mentioned, the end of the year is probably the end of the Mandalorian season. And that'll be when I sign back up for Disney Plus. Yeah, well, it's around like eight. Like we're, they do chapters. So chapters one through eight was season one. And so eight weeks would be like basically December 25th, that kind of week, I think, yep. or or, or um, New Year's Eve sort of thing. Um because it started, it launched on the 30th of October uh, and uh, we're currently into chapter 10, which um, I, I don't know why this is. I love the Mandalorian. I'm really enjoying season two. I had a blast with episode two. I even went out and listened to um, a, a favorite podcast of mine called Let's Talk About Star Wars with uh, Garrett Weinzerl, yeah. Jenny Josephson and Tom Merritt. It's a great podcast after you, they, they spoil everything. So like you have to watch the episode first, but it's a great companion show because they're knowledgeable. They're super fans. They've read a lot of like extended universe stuff. Even if it's no longer canon, it just has like artistic influence on how they're making the Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it was really cool to have like some of my like vague theories kind of like reinforced when listening to them. Um, but I keep on watching The Mandalorian weekly and enjoying it and consistently forgetting to add it to the show notes on The Citadel Cafe. <laughs> like, it's a sci-fi fantasy podcast. Like, how am I not mentioning The Mandalorian each week? Um, but I think a lot of it is just because, like, not everybody that I podcast with uh, li- watches it. And I also don't want to spoil it. Like, there's even a week. Like, I just I don't want to talk too much about it you know because it's such a fun right. thing to experience and there's people i know that have not watched it yet and like you people i mean now you don't care about spoilers but people that don't watch it week to week on disney but wait for it to be done and then they sub to disney you know and what a good time to sub to disney over the holidays when there's lots of other holiday stuff on there as well well that's my thing is is i signed up at first when the first season of the mandalorian came out last year mm-hmm. and i was like and i and i was all excited and I knew it was going to be week to week. But after about six weeks, I was only booting up Disney Plus to watch Mandalorian. I had pretty much watched almost everything else that I wanted to watch mm-hmm. on Disney Plus. And I was like, man, I'm still, it was like 10 bucks a month. I'm like, I'm paying 10 bucks a month so I can get one episode. I'm just going to wait next time. Yeah, so I stayed on because I was watching some of the other Marvel films that I hadn't seen in a long time that weren't on any other service, you know, like Doctor Strange and like some other stuff that was not on Netflix. Uh, And then I was also, um, also, it's just easy to find them. I find the Disney, Disney groups everything by genre or or by, not by genre, by, by IP. So it's like, if you're looking for Marvel, it's all here, press button. And then it just lists the Marvel movies, you know, and it's the same thing with, um, uh, like X-Men or uh, what was the other thing that I was watching? Um, well, Star Wars. I haven't watched them, but like, you know, if you want, if you're looking for Star Wars, well, I was looking for Star Wars cartoons. Like I was looking for Clone Wars and um, the Rebels and all that kind of stuff. Like it's just, it's one button, everything Star Wars. And they just kind of list it by, you know, by subcategory. So that I find a lot easier to manage than Netflix. But uh, I was staying on with um, Disney Plus because of, the schedule ahead at the time was this rollout of like, okay, well, when the Mandalorian's done, then we have WandaVision, then we've got uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and there was one other show, I think, in a, like another Marvel thing that they were talking about. 
Um, so I'm interested to see if they do that. But I'm with you. I'm more than likely, especially with um, the new Xbox uh, All Access Pass I'm trying to get, that's going to add a $40 a month charge to my budget for entertainment. Uh, I'm going to cancel something. Like I'm going to eventually, well, Crave and HBO are not a permanent thing for me. I sub when I want to catch up on something. Like when I want to watch Discovery, I sub to Crave. I decide, mm, do I have the extra $10 for HBO? And I think, well, you know, I can catch up on Westworld. I can catch up on a few other things. Sure, I'll do that for a couple of months. And then I just cancel it. And it's super easy. It's awesome. You just, you go into the into the website or the app and say, done. And they just let your current sub run out on the 5th or the 25th or whenever you subscribed. And then you don't have to worry about it. Disney is the same way. And I love that. But, you know, like I do have to reassess, I think, Disney in the new year if they don't have a date. Or if they do give me a date, I say, okay, sweet. I'll mark that on the calendar, you know, March 1st, something like that. And I'll just, I'll save the money and not sub for two months. Because I, I, like you, I don't turn it on hardly at all right now outside of Mandalorian. Erica and I have already talked about it because Violet still is too young for really watching TV. And so there's a ton of stuff on Disney Plus for her when she gets older. And for us, it's all stuff we've all seen growing up. And mm -hmm. we're both like, we'll, we'll watch this again when she's old enough to watch it. But right now, no point in us sitting through it if in like two more years we're going to have to sit through it again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there'll be levels of different entertainment and stuff that you can get. But uh, as far as the episode uh, two from the season or chapter 10, I should say, of Mandalorian, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, you've watched season one, right? Yes. Okay. So you're familiar with the fact that baby Yoda likes to eat things, right? Like frogs yes. and stuff like that. So yes. the, the basic running gag, which is getting a lot of silly, silly inappropriate press, uh, is basically that there's a, there's a, the Mandalorian has to ferry a passenger, this frog lady. She doesn't really have a name. The whole internet has just given her a name frog lady. And she uh, has her unfertilized eggs with her in like a backpack thermos thing in only like in star wars fashion it looks like a back to tank on her back and yeah. so um she's taking this to her husband who is going to fertilize the eggs and and further their line it's not that she's an endangered species i don't think but it's the last of her family line i think she doesn't have any other relatives so she's trying to continue her family uh, and and I know what the baby Yoda does. I've yeah, heard so, all about it all over the internet. Yeah, so the baby Yoda is eating the eggs, but I mean at an alarming rate. <laughs> like it is it's um it's funny. And it's it's like so you've got this Mandalorian doing like, you know, laser fights and ship battles and like fighting monster spiders and all this kind of stuff. And he's just like also constantly saying like, No, don't put that in your mouth. <laughs> Like it just, he has to do the dad thing a couple of times. And it's, it's very funny just juxtaposed against the rest of the stuff that he has to do. Uh, and then um, the, the big, the big blowback is that they're, they're fearing that they're painting baby Yoda as a villain. And I'm just like, baby Yoda can't speak yet. Like this, tell me a child that doesn't has to be told by parents. Don't put that in your mouth. Like, that's just, that's a thing that I think all toddlers go through. Oh, trust me. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, like, this is the thing. So, I feel like um, it's just the, I don't know why the internet likes to jump on these things. It drives me crazy. It's just, it's it, it smacks of lack of reason and lack of just cognitive process. Like, it's just, it's dumb that they're calling this out and getting mad at Disney for it. Um but I, because my point and my my argument to that is always, it's like, well, that's not the only thing in the episode. Like, there's baby spiders, 
and baby Yoda ate one of those too. And it was gross. Like, I mean, they show the whole thing. He eats this live baby spider just hatched out of an egg and he just chows on it. Like, mm, sure, this is fine. Because, I mean, he eats frogs. Like, it's not, he's an alien. And, like, sure, he's cute, but people are foretting that he puts some really gross things in his mouth. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I mean, but, and for great comedic effect, like I was on board for it the whole episode. Every time they did it, I was just like, oh God. Uh, the only thing that, that I found a little bit you know, kind of like lacking in the plot from it. Uh, and again, not a spoiler. Uh, the, the frog lady just doesn't seem to count. She never notices the baby actually eat an egg. Uh, and for someone that's so concerned over the last line of her family, she, she's missing at least six. <laughs> like, and there weren't like dozens and dozens. There were like 18, maybe, <laughs> in, yeah. in, in the casket, you know? I, I, I read somewhere, too, someone was saying, they never said she couldn't lay more eggs. Mm. And I was, I was like, true, that, 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 that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the the idea. I think the world is overthinking it. Yes, and I feel like I feel like well, because there's a couple of things. Remember, somebody like on this other podcast, this let's talk about Star Wars. They they were confused as to why the the frog lady was in a hot spring. They crash in a ice planet, and she goes into a hot spring to warm up because she's cold blooded. So she's yeah. freezing. She's worried she's going to die, and she brings her eggs and puts them in this hot spring with her. And they were just like, well, this does like outside of the hot spring being in the spider cave. It's the only real mechanic that they could think of is to just get the spiders happening. But earlier in the episode, it was very subtle because she doesn't speak binary or basic. She has to be translated. So she was pointing at the thermal control on her egg thing and it was failing. So her eggs are freezing slowly. And so that's why she left the ship to find the heat source. And and so, so they explained stuff like that subtly and, I don't know the exact quote. I'm not sure how, how it actually came through my brain, but I'm pretty sure that when he picks up the passenger on Mos on um, Tatooine, the lady who does speak English explains very quickly in like very quippy kind of punchy dialogue that either it's like the last of her line or it's she only breeds like once every 30 years and she's not going to live another 30 years. There's some sort of like peril attached to this is important sort of thing, but it, it's, but it's got something to do with the species and how they mate and how they breed and all that kind of stuff. But either way, great episode, some awesome moments, um, great Canadian connection. Um, one of the actors from Kim's convenience is one of the ex wing pilots. Uh- I've seen a lot of that in the headlines yeah, this week too. It was really it was really fun and and it's a really cool glimpse at at the um the X-wing uh the new uh, republic basically being like police officers. Like they basically pull the Mandalorian over in space and be like I, you know license that identification please sort of thing. Uh yeah. and and it's really funny because like up until this point like Everyone knows the Star Wars Jedi story, but you've only ever seen it from the perspective of the last remaining Jedi. You don't see it from the rest of the world. And so they say something like the force, may the force be with you. Uh, and the Mandalorian's like, um, and also with you, I guess. Like he just, he has no <laughs> idea what they're talking about. Right. And it's really, he's just kind of like playing the part to get off the hook. 
Uh, and it's yeah. it's re- it's really good. There's some good fan service, but again, Mandalorian does a lot of fan service, but they do it in a way that is okay. Like they just throw just enough in there to make it fun and interesting. But I mean, I'm on board. I I can't believe I've taken this long to not like that. I haven't mentioned it more on on the show. Hey, and, and you're gonna get more Star Wars stuff. I think they announced the other the other day that the new show is is in pre production. That's gonna be Star Wars based. Oh, the uh, Obi Wan show. Uh no, there's another one that's oh. in pre-production that is that they that's going to take place in its own pocket of the galaxy is what they've said, oh, nice. and that it's probably not going to have to do with Jedi at all. Cool. But they but they have not said what it's about. But they announced the woman that's in in charge of that, and scripts are being written. Cool. That's awesome. Happy to hear that. I because more Star Wars in my life would be fantastic. Um, something I was trying to add to my life uh, yesterday, or the day before, day before, yeah, day before, uh, is the Xbox Series X. Uh, we had a quote-unquote launch day at which very few people were able to get their actual consoles. Uh, some people that were pre-ordering, uh, I was paying attention to mostly EB Games in Canada uh, because that is the only place I can get the Xbox All Access. That is how I'm purchasing the Xbox. I trying to be responsible and not fork over like a huge amount of money all at once. And the Xbox all access deal, as I think I've mentioned on the show before is um, Xbox game pass ultimate for two years, which is basically like Netflix for, for Xbox games and PC games for two years. Um, Along with the new series X console, it's a $40 commitment for two years, but you end up saving about 160 bucks, 140 bucks. No, not a hundred. It's a, you save about two and a half months of, of, uh, all access. So it's like basically getting three months free, you know, out of the two years. And the thing is like, this is how I was going to game anyway. Um, I missed the Xbox one. So I missed the last generation of consoles. So there's a ton. You didn't miss out. You didn't miss out on much. Well, there's a ton of games that I just haven't played. Like just period, right? In terms of uh, in terms of just games that I just haven't tried, uh, and because they're older games, they're all available for sixty ninety nine a month in Canada. You can just play whichever one you want that's on the list for as long as you want, and so there's a lot there, like more more games than I have time for essentially. Like you know, you you look up how many games would I play, and there's like six or eight on the list. And you're just like, okay, I can't play that in a month, so I would just end up subscribing for as long as I wanted to, and more than likely for quite some time. So it just felt like, yeah, I'll commit for two years for that. That sounds like a thing, especially because there's that crossover with it also applies to PC games. So if it's a a game that I want to stream that I don't want to play on the couch that I would prefer, a lot of times I prefer first person shooters with mouse and keyboard. And so um, if it was that kind of a situation, I'd be like, oh, sweet. Well, I'll go um, play this on the PC. And so it had some content, you know, creation uh, or content streaming possibilities for me as well. Uh, but EB Games had uh, launching November t- uh, 10th, 2020 and out of stock on their website for about two and a half weeks um, since whenever it was made available to, uh, aware of to me, Ryan pointed it out to me. And I was like, oh, sweet. Okay. I did some research because I don't like EB Games. I've dealt with them in person in the past in the mall and I hate them. They're terrible. Uh, and uh, hate's a strong word. I find their customer service severely lacking. Um, I have a question because we don't have EB Games here in America. It's owned by GameStop. Okay, that's what I needed to know. Mm-hmm. That's all I needed to know. Doesn't sound like it surprises you. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, same same company, different different umbrella. I think. <clears throat> uh, so, 
unfortunately, Xbox All Access is a um, RBC payment plan program, and it is only available through EB Games in Canada. I don't know what witchery they managed to do to get the exclusive access to this, but they are the only place that you can do this. You can't do it at Best Buy. You can't do it at Walmart, Costco. It's, be it's uh, EB Games did something because they're dying. They literally, their market share, uh, GameStop here in America, uh, five years ago, they were opening a store every week. And this year, uh, every week, they're shutting down 30 stores. I can tell you why. Because they're terrible. Like, they just, they, yep. the, uh, on the, I didn't know, there uh, was no information as to what time of day. Because, I mean, it's launch day, and I've never participated in one. And I kind of wanted to see if I could just get the process going. Uh, I, I'm not... I didn't need my Xbox that day. If I did, I would have pre-ordered. But you couldn't pre-order the Xbox All Access. That was only on launch day. Uh, I think when pre-orders went out, we didn't know that you could do Xbox All Access at EB Games, right? So it, launch day or uh, pre-orders were like, I'm buying the $600 console. And I'm not doing that outright. I'm, it's better for me financially to spread it out. So... Yeah. Um, so... Because if I wanted a console, I probably, if I worked really hard on Tuesday, could have found one and bought one. Like if I really wanted to to, to just go. But I just, I wanted to, to, to get the, the Xbox All Access. So on launch day, I didn't know whether it launched at midnight, whether it launched at 6 a.m., 9 a.m., whatever. I was thinking about time zones, like nothing. And the only thing that happened on the website on launch day was around 10 or 11 in the morning for me. So around 9 a.m. Eastern the November 10th date was removed from the website and it just said out of stock. Uh, it had said out of stock for two weeks, but it said out of stock, you know, n launching November 10th. And I just assumed that was a placeholder until they just kind of like turned on the access button so that people could order. Uh, you can't pre-apply for the payment plan. It's all done through the checkout process. RBC has quite a lot of information about the payment plan. That was very easy to sort out. So, you know, I've got to tip my hat to my bank saying like, hey, that's very easy to, to give you the answers on, you know, thanks for looking into this sort of thing. Um, and it was, yeah. just, it was just a fact website. It was fine. Um, but there was little to no communication at all from, from EB Games. And I waited in a queue on their website of 213 people for about three hours. Now, I was doing other things. I was working from home and doing my bookkeeping and stuff and just kind of like every half an hour refreshing the page, making a mental note of whether I was at, you know, Q110 or Q75 or like where, where was I? Eventually, I talked to what I'm assuming is a robot uh, and they replied that we are currently out of stock for the new Xbox and we do not have an ETA as to when we will receive a restock. You can sign up here for updates and it was a sign up email sheet. Uh, I got news for EB Games. In order to restock, you have to have stock in the first place. You yeah. can't restock if you have no stock ever there was never a moment where that website said we have stock just never there was no xboxes available for people that wanted to do xbox all access all the while the eb twitter account is tweeting out gain access to xbox xbox all access on launch day blah 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 like all this marketing fluff and it's like and everybody is just roasting them on twitter going like would be nice would love to give you my money 40 dollars a month for the next of two years EB games, except you don't have any. Like it, yeah. it was just ridiculous. Now, 
it is not the end of the world. I don't need the Xbox tomorrow. I don't have a new TV yet. Like, I just wanted to get the process going because I know that it's going to be probably the better part of three to four weeks for it to be mailed to me, you know, for, for it to be shipped out. Uh, I would like to secure some accessories. I want to pick up a controller. Those are, are available. Like, they're, the thing that I'm having a hard time finding is the rechargeable battery kit with USB-C cable. Uh, yep. But you can buy an Xbox controller just about anywhere uh, because they were limiting, they're limiting um, launch day orders for the extra controllers to one per person. So I think if you want a controller, it's fine. Um, and I can get, it's on my Amazon cart right now. I could order it and it could be here like Monday, um, but I don't have an Xbox. So I'm kind of like, I, it sounds silly because I could probably, if that battery pack comes available on Amazon, I will probably just pull the trigger and get them both because I can use it on my PC. Um and that way I'll have a controller for the PC until the Xbox arrives. And then I'll have two controllers for the Xbox, one of which will probably bounce back and forth between the PC and the Xbox. So that's kind of what I do with mine. So Yeah. So I just, it was just a really frustrating experience. Now I've heard about frustrating launch day experiences. I understand that this is a normal thing. I was not surprised. I was just disappointed because the Xbox All Access thing is a really good deal. Like if you are if you are like me and you have a very old, very loud Xbox 360 uh, and a handful of games that you own on that that will play on the new system, um, an Xbox Series X, if you're in the budget for it, is actually with this Xbox All Access deal, it's fantastic. Like it's a great value for the money that you mm -hmm. pay with no, new launch titles being something crazy like $70 for like Valhalla. Until I know it's a fantastic game, I'm not willing to pay that. Um, and even then, right. I'd probably wait for Boxy Day sales, right? Because I would have enough stuff, you know. I wouldn't have, like, the next-gen shiny, pretty launch title, but I would definitely have enough stuff for me to play uh, on the Xbox uh, Series X until I was able to pick up a, a brand-new next-gen game. Um, but it just, it's, it's the right time for me to, to update and it's a good opportunity, but it was just I so have, frustrating. I will say I have learned my lesson after many, 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 many failed attempts. I never buy anything anymore on launch day. Yeah. Ever. Um, back when pre-orders were a new thing and people were pre-ordering their PlayStation twos and I was in high school, um, I actually had friends who worked at the GameStop. At it was yeah, well, I guess it was GameStop at the time. Uh, but I had friends who were like the store manager of the GameStop, and I worked in the mall at the time next to the GameStop. And I was one of the first people in the mall to pre-order. And they were they announced that they were going to do their pre-ordering by alphabet, and not by when you pre-ordered hmm. so they started giving it to people based on their last name and i was told oh you're halfway through the alphabet with your last name so yours will be here in three weeks and i was like wait what and they were like yeah three weeks and i was like yeah i'm not waiting three weeks and so i skipped school and stood in line at best buy and got my PlayStation 2 and collected my pre-order back from GameStop afterwards. Yeah. yeah. And, and then my and then my PlayStation 2 died on me 3 months later. I am at the point where like if if something magical happens and I end up with some extra cash over the next week or two, uh then 
just to not give my money to EB Games, I will just go buy one from Best Buy. Like, or, uh, or when, I mean, they're pretty much out of stock everywhere. But if I can find one and just buy it outright, technically, I could end up saving quite a bit of money long term. Because if I buy the $600 console and only sub to Xbox All Access for, or Xbox Game Pass Ultimate for three months, then that's not even 700 bucks. Right. Yeah. Whereas over the course of, I think the four years, it's something like $960. So like, it's fine, but I just, but I have the option to cancel that, that, um, ultimate game pass at any point. Whereas if I do the full year thing, you're, you're in it for the two years. Um, so yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I, like I, it's got such a bad taste. I really hate that. I have to deal with EB games. For, yep. for the all access like it's really and now and i'm to the point now where like well even if they come available tomorrow and i sign up you're not supposed to be charged until it ships so like you won't see that 40 dollar charge on your account until the that's ex- what they tell you yeah it's supposed to be shipped to you but i'm seeing people tweet about like my shipment has been canceled but my payment has still been charged but then i get an email saying that my shipment is on its way uh, like, like, what is it? Which is it? Like, where, where, like, what am I, when is it coming? When I have to be at work or not at work? Or like, just all this kind of stuff. So I do not have any confidence in, in uh, EB Games at all. And uh, even less so after I talked to this very unhelpful robot. I'm, if it was a person, they were pretty poor at, at, at delivering any kind of communication to me over the, via the tech chat. And like, it just... I hope that, I mean, I guess the next time that there's a console launch, it's not going to matter because EB Games is not going to be around. Uh, but I just hope that, you know, Xbox, Xbox Canada, Microsoft is just taking notice as to who is mishandling the launch of their product. Like if, if, if I, you know, if I had the, the, the cash flow and, and could, if I wasn't self-employed, I would just go buy one, right? But I just try to be, you know, fiscally responsible. I would just go to Microsoft. I would just go to Xbox.com and order one. Like I just, you know, like if I if I just wanted it, I would just go, screw the middlemen and all these retailers. I would just buy one from however. You, like, what's the simplest way to to pick one up? You know. Um, yeah. You know, whereas like here I am with a, a, a cart on Amazon, and as much as I'd like to support a local retailer, you know, uh, granted, I mean Best Buy or whatever, they're a big company, but they still employ people that live here in my city. Uh, yeah. You know, like I. I would like to do that if I could, but you know what? You know what I have the confidence in? Amazon. Because when I order from Amazon, it arrives three days later without fail. Like it, <laughs> uh, even sometimes on Sundays, which is weird. You know, that's never yep. happened before. The, uh, oh, uh, yesterday was a holiday for us. And I will tell you right now, uh, we didn't get mail, but I watched some people get some Amazon packages delivered yesterday. And I was like, wow. Yep. And, yeah. and they were delivered by the post office. I'm not even talking like UPS or FedEx. Oh, really? Uh, the, the post office actually had trucks out that were just there to deliver Amazon packages. They didn't deliver anybody's mail. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily want to line Jeff Bezos's pockets, but like, come on. It's it, when you have, when that's what, you can, mu- when that's what you're competing as, against, you have to nail it, right? As much as the world likes to complain about Jeff Bezos, you know what? I, when I order from his his store... I get what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I when I do it from other places, they always are jerking me around. And yep. 
And almost every time I've ever had to return something with Amazon, it's been super easy. Oh my gosh. You print off the return label, you give it to the post office. The person at the post office doesn't even look at me funny. She's just, they just kind of go, yep, okay. And then, I mean, the only thing that I, I, I can ever see being an issue is like if you're returning something and then once it's inspected at the, at the return facility, if they kind of dispute it with you, that's the only thing that would be a pain in the butt. But, but I've never had that happen. Like I bought a couple of monitors last year that I had to return. They were just not right for the system. They didn't work, whatever. Um, you know, they were not as advertised or I, it was, I was disappointed in the manufacturer of the monitor, not in Amazon. Uh, and I just put it back in the box and sent it back. Like it just, it was super easy. Like it just, I've had more hassle taking stuff back to a retail store where I have to bring it mm -hmm. in in person, you know? So yeah, I just, anyway, if anybody out there sees, uh, EB games stock for Xbox all access, send me a at reply on Twitter or send me an email or something. Um, because I would like to know, cause I just, I do still want to do the all access thing. Um, I, I did seriously think about just like, you know, buying it and, and, putting it on a visa or something like that, but I just, I'm still trying to do this process because I do think that I will get a lot of use out of the all access with the, the game pass ultimate for the two years. So anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm very interested in, in, in checking it out. Um, moving on to listener email. We have an email from LBV. I didn't say it was good. I said, I liked it. Hi, Joel and Lou. I was listening to one of the recent episodes of the podcast and you said that you had just started watching the haunting of Bly Manor. I watched both The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor back over the weekend when I was sick with the stomach flu. Well, I hope you're feeling better, LBV. I am a horror buff uh, with little to no standards when it comes to horror. Right up your alley, Lou. <clears throat> uh -huh. uh, I love cliches and terrible plot hole and tolerate plot holes. Five twenty-somethings going to a cabin in the middle of the woods to hear a scream that they decide to split up with flashlights. I eat it up. You could probably feel the butt I'm about to say, so I'll just say it. The Haunting of Bly Minor was not good. The acting gets a little better, but it's still not great. I think the au pair is the worst of that. The dramatic, it's you, it's me, it's us scene in the lake was supposed to be thrilling, but I felt nothing. Cheap jump scares. The whole thing went on far too long, meaning there were needless filler in the episodes. All in all, not a great show from a company that has the means and money like Netflix does. But, the second but of this email. I liked it. I think it could be the show that was just what I needed to have on the TV while I was sick and not that I was actually a, not that it was actually a great show but I liked it. Also, I blasted the show for mediocre, mediocre acting, but I think the cook Owen and the housekeeper Hannah were definitely exceptions. Those two were amazing. So, how did you like the show? Do you have any I didn't say it was good, I said I didn't like it, kind of shows in other media, love the podcast, here's to almost 400 episodes of great content, signing off LBV. Thanks so much for the great email, LBV. I'm glad that um, you had some similar thoughts to me on uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor. Lou, I know that you had watched The Haunting of Hill House, I think, last year? Yes. Did you watch Bly Manor as well? I did not watch Bly Manor, but because every review I read was like, yeah, this isn't Hill House. Yeah, this is in Hill House. And so we went, Erica and I looked at each other, and there was plenty of other spooky things for us to watch this Halloween, and we went, we'll skip it. Yeah. I don't think you missed much. That's what I keep hearing. I liked it at first. Uh, it was more mystery and creepy than it was horror. Like, I don't like slasher stuff. Uh, so uh, this was, uh, the kids are creepy. The acting is terrible in a bad way. Specifically, the au pair, uh, Danny is the character's name. Uh, I don't know who taught that woman how to walk, 
But if you were to tell a three-year-old, okay, walk around and act mad, you know, like they're going to have their arms straight down by their sides and they're going to stomp around, right? That's how Danny walks the entire series. Ugh. Stressed out, stomp walk. Happy to see the kids, stomp walk. Chase after the kids, stomp walk. Like it, it is, it's, she's awful. She, her screen presence with, is terrible. I, I grew up with a parent that walks like that all the time. Uh, for the, for the, the, the listener that emailed us, uh, if they liked Hill House, I will recommend a, uh, another series that's on Netflix. Um, and I believe there's a fourth season coming, though they haven't officially announced anything. And that is the series Slasher, where it's kind of like Hill House, where every season is its own story. And sometimes they reuse some of the same actors. Uh, but every season is, is there's a killer on the loose. And who's the killer? Which one of these people is the killer? Who's Why are they killing people? What's going on? And there's always some kind of murder mystery thing going on. And they're always really good. So for me... Hill House just went on far too long. Uh, it had some good moments with the kids. Um, there's a couple of explanations that make sense. Um, I'll get into some spoilers here. So if people haven't watched it and they do want to check it out, just maybe tune out for the next couple of minutes. But um, the reveal of the two ghosts that are possessing the kids, and that's why they're acting so strangely, uh, it makes sense and it's revealed at the right moment. I kind of figured one of them out just before it happened. Um, Hannah, the housekeeper, and Owen, the cook, uh, I will agree with LBV, are by far the best actors in the bunch. And there's a really sweet, interesting story between the two of them. Um, kind of this like caught between duty and affection for one another. And they do a really good job with that. It's very subtle. And it's probably the most compelling story in the whole season actually is the story of those two um but episode eight i believe it's episode eight i think there's nine chapters and episode eight is the second to last is terrible it's in black and white it's a hundred years before anything ever started and it explains everything all the ghosts all the weird shit that you're seeing at blind manor it just gives you an explanation for all of it and it rips any kind of mystery or weirdness or like any kind of sense of uh, not awe, but like confusion or, or fear that you might have. It just kind of explains it all away. It's just, it's a ghost story. Like it just, and, but they give, it's not just a spooky ghost that no one knows what the heck is going on. They actually give you all the reasons as to why this is happening. Uh, and it is the longest, most boring uh, explanation ever. And it takes the, the series from a cliffhanger in the end of episode seven to a grinding halt. Um, if you're listening and you don't care about spoilers and you've got this far, I'd be curious for anybody that watches the series if they skip episode eight and they go right to nine. Like if you just skip the explanation and just go right from seven to nine, and then if you want to go back and watch it like a, like a, uh, like a epilogue, uh, because it, it just, um, it's, it's just not good. Like they really rip the rug out from underneath you. Um, and the, even then the final episode is tedious and unnecessary. It's just this long, uh, this long walk home and this long, like, I don't care about these characters. Like I don't, 
like why is this still going on how it's it, it just kind of drags into other venues like the haunting of blind manor the last episode they're never at blind manor it's it's always like all the characters after the fact that no one cares about and then they try to tie it up in some neat little bow and it's awful like it just it, it, no, no one would ever stand for it like no one would ever uh, allow the story to be told in that way and wrap up in a nice little bow my feeling on what everything I've read and heard is it feels like they didn't expect Hill House to be the success it was. They expected it to do good. They didn't expect it to be like, oh my God, it's the thing that we're going to get Emmys for. Mm-hmm. And it ended up doing that. And then Netflix was like, quick, quick, quick. We got to do it again real quick. Get it out as fast as we can. Yep. And everything I've re- read feels like this was a rushed product. that was like, we got to get this out before people forget. Yeah. Um, they don't play by their own rules in terms of the rules of ghosts and how they work and how it, like who can see who and all that kind of stuff. I did figure out that Hannah was a ghost before they revealed it. So I was kind of proud of myself for that. But, um, when they don't play their own rule by their own rules in order to make the plot work, it be, it just makes it very confusing. There's a lot of time jump skipping and they don't explain why. And it just, it's just, it's a real... It's it's not the best way to tell a story. Uh, I will say that the first two episodes were slow, but the third episode is where it really started to get interesting. And I I was I was on board because I was curious as to how it was going to end. And then they said, "Oh, this is how it ends," and I was like, "That is stupid, stupid!" Like just so they completely lost me. Really had a slog to watch the last two episodes. It was not not an enjoyment thing. It was more the things like I've watched eight. I might as well watch nine, you know, like it was, I didn't finish it because I wanted to. I finished it because like, I feel like I had to. Um, yeah. So the other question that LBV had before we quickly move on is, uh, are there any other series or movies or shows from other genres or other kind of like situations that we have that are like this, you know, things that I didn't say it was good, but I said that I liked it. I can't think of anything right offhand the closest i can say is supernatural mm-hmm. erica got me watching that show like when we first started dating and it's kind of become a habit that we watch the season together and go okay that wasn't a good season but maybe next season will be better <laughs> i think for me uh it's old and I don't think I would necessarily have the same opinion now, but when I was in high school slash university, uh, Dawson's Creek was on. And uh, I understood that like young adults don't talk the way that, that they did. And like, I, I get that it was kind of like a, a reaching, you know, kind of story and, and dialogue, uh, but I was on board. I liked it. I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? I'm in, you know, like it's, it's, it was a drama with some, good actors and you know i really enjoyed pacey's story in in that show and um but i at the time i could definitely say like yeah like i get that it's fluff teen drama on the w on the cw or wb or whatever it was at the time um but but i was like that whatever it's fine i'd like i just i just i needed something you know it's but like i i am not someone that tolerates the i didn't say it was good i said i liked it if it's not good i definitely don't get through it like I, I usually tune out quite quickly. One of the reasons I'm actually thinking about canceling my Netflix sub, uh, and had I was uh, had I been able to secure an Xbox Series X with all access, um, I'm thinking about putting the Netflix on pause for a couple of months because I'll more than likely be playing games in the living room with a fun new toy 
then I will yeah. be watching anything on Netflix. Uh, and if I and if I do um, successfully pick up that new TV, um, I'm going to be watching things like Star Wars and The Mandalorian and like stuff like that. I'm not going to be watching some hokey drama on Netflix on a big TV for fun. I'm going to be using it for. I'm going to stretch its legs on proper proper stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um, speaking of what I've been watching, the other thing that I've been checking out, uh, because I did subscribe to HBO and Crave to catch up on Discovery, a uh, reminder that uh, Star Trek Talk with Alistair and James is coming in a couple of weeks here on the show. We're going to be talking about Discovery Season 3 and Lower Decks. Uh, I need to catch up on Lower Decks, actually. I haven't started that yet. But uh, HBO, Westworld, Season 3. Really enjoyed Season 1 and 2. I watched them when they were first airing. Uh, and then I've been watching season three. I think I'm about three episodes in so far. Um, no spoilers. Just going to say I am enjoying it uh, so far as seeing what the world of Westworld looks like outside of the park. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, it does have a tone at the beginning so far of having a little bit of like a Terminator Skynet plot where evil robots are out to wipe out all humans. But the twist is that there is the robot that is out to harm. There's the robot that is completely indifferent, basically like you're on your own. Uh, and then there's the other robot that is out to stop and, and, and stop this evil thing that's about to happen. Uh, and what's really interesting is because these hosts from the park, these Android robots that are meant to like, look very realistic, like humans, uh, because some of them are now self-aware. It's a really interesting character study where, the you know hosts that were abused are the aggressors the hosts that are of like a lesser stature are the indifferent ones and then the hosts that were the caretakers uh are now like the ones that are trying to stop the bad things from happening and we're still getting moments of like i didn't realize this character was a host holy crap uh, and so that kind of cool like Cylon reveal is still happening even in season three. Uh, wow. And yeah. Oh no, it's, it's fantastic. It's one of my favorite things about Westworld is like, it gets real interesting when you start to realize that, I mean, I guess this is kind of a spoiler. So if you haven't seen the first two seasons, just FYI, just cover your ears for a minute, but there's people running the park and then there's hosts in the park. It's revealed in season two. I think that some of the people running the park are hosts too. Right. And so, oh. yeah, so it, it's, it's, it's cool in that way, uh, in, in that it, you just don't know who to trust. And it's this, this idea that, um, the, the head of the, the park, uh, Anthony Hopkins, Robert Ford, uh, is the character. He, he wrote all these personalities. He wrote all these like algorithms and he developed all this kind of stuff. And then in the process of doing that, there's kind of a God complex where he's, you're basically messing with the attendees of the park, their emotions and their intellect and, and convincing them that this illusion is real. And then he takes that to the real power level of like, well, what if I convinced somebody that isn't in the park <laughs> that someone they're interacting with is an actual human when they're not? And it's, it, yeah, it gets very complicated very quickly. Uh, and I, I'm really enjoying it. I Specifically, I like Maeve's character. Um, she was a madam of a whorehouse in the old West town uh, and was having like memories of losing her daughter because it was part of a program where she was a different character in a different timeline. And they just moved the host and gave her a new identity as this madam, but she was having flashbacks. And so this drive to find her daughter that she's never had was this weird kind of like underlying psychological um, motivator for her. 
And she's the most interesting because she's not necessarily violent towards people unless she's threatened, but she gives zero shits about humans because of how she's been treated and how she's aware of all of this. And they do, she's like the computer inside the computer. Like she's the one that can like control their hosts. And like, so it's, it's going to be really interesting to see where Maeve's character goes. And then um, another character that I'm really interested in is Bernard and he's been in it from the, since the beginning. And so there's a few characters that have survived through seasons one and two, and they have all this experience so far and they're bringing that to season three. Um, and then the uh, third season adds Aaron Paul to the cast, who I like as an actor. I don't know if I like his character, but like Westworld is full of despicable people. Like it's not like you're meant to really like yeah. anyone. Yeah, I, I watched most of the first season. I don't think I finished. And uh, that was kind of the thing that I was like, yeah, they, they, there's a lot of people doing a lot of shitty things. I think I'll wait till this show is done and then I'll watch it all. Yeah, so there is, you do have to, like it's it. the thing about Westworld that I think is hard to watch but is part of the reason i think the show is so good is that it points out very poignantly the faults of human nature like with a giant red sticky <laughs> like it's it's really obvious that this is a problem that a lot of people a lot of us are suffering from just like humanity is full lot and and that kind of is not necessarily something you want to be reminded of every week um but uh i i do i finding so far that season three tends to have because we're outside the park and so you're not necessarily seeing people going on vacation to um live out their fantasies and be despicable uh in season three because we're dealing with real people in the real world um you're just seeing real people struggles so maybe like aaron's paul characters is doing some crime but he's doing some crime because he's got PTSD after serving and he's having trouble keeping jobs. So like there's some reality there that, that he's not, I'm not, he's not doing anything evil, but he's just on the opposite side of the law. So, but you still kind of feel for him. Right. So like, he's not right. squeaky clean, but he's not, you know, a murderer like that kind of stuff. So uh, it, it's, it's a lot more gray area and a lot more struggle as opposed to privilege and um, misbehavior, which is what the first season was all about. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend it. It's highly produced. Like it's, a, I mean, the, the, the stuff and, and tech and uh, future vision that they, you know, produce in the show, it's, it's cyberpunky, but still very realistic. Like it doesn't go too fantasy. It's, it's, it's well done. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm definitely going to finish season three and there's a season four coming uh, in the future. So I'm, I'm on board. I highly recommend it. So what have you been up to? I finished the most recent Dresden Files book probably about a month ago. And as soon because I pre-ordered them on Audible so that I could listen to them while I worked during the day. And uh, uh, Jim Butcher, who does those, hadn't put out a book in like a Dresden File book in like five years. So and they always end on a cliffhanger. So for like three or four years, people have been sitting there being like, when's the next book, Jim? When's the next book? And then this year he put out two books back to back within like three months of each other. Uh, and so after listening to those, they're like modern day fantasy where like wizards are wandering around the streets of Chicago and like uh, werewolves are hunting people and the uh, gods exist and are walking the streets. And it, it's full of all that sort of thing. And after I finished those books, I finished the, the, the new book. I went, I want some more of this. 
do I start over and start doing the Dresden Files all over again, or do I do something else? And that was when my wife reminded me, uh, I have a book called Midnight Riot. In, that's what it's called here in America. If you're outside the U.S., it's called Rivers of London. Um, it's by Ben Ivanovich. And it is another modern-day fi- fantasy book where it takes place in London with a uh, constable known as Peter Grant. And uh, he's there was a murder. Somebody died, and they were their body was mangled, and they're trying to figure out who did it. And it's the middle of the night. And he's wandering around these dark alleys of London trying to find a witness. And he stumbles upon a witness. And halfway through talking to this guy, who's talking kind of funny and dressed kind of funny, he realizes he's talking to a ghost Hmm. and not a real person. And when he realizes he's talking to a ghost, the ghost's like, oh, you noticed, huh? And it actually gives him a lead. It watched the killing. And so it gives him a lead. And so he has to go back to his commanding officer and be like, yeah, I was told this, that, and the other thing. And they're like, well, who's the person that told you? And he has to like, uh, a ghost. And they're like, ha ha, funny, funny. And uh, he's in the process of either staying a constable or being stuck on desk duty forever. And, uh, he thinks he's going to get desk duty, and they call him into this room, and next thing you know, he's introduced to this other detective, and uh, he finds out that this guy is a guy that the other cops don't want to talk to because he's a wizard. And that sometime in the early 19th century, uh, there were wizards, and the magic has died out, and, and, and because the magic died out, people really don't pay attention to things. And that this is the cop they kind of drag out of retirement whenever something weird goes on, and he ends up the wizard's apprentice. Nice, that, like that. It, that sounds like a really cool modern twist on on this kind yeah. of stuff. And 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 every time something happens, he's like, "Yeah, but what about other wizards?" And he's like, "They're not anymore." He's like, "What do you mean there aren't anymore?" And he's like, "Well, we had to go to war in World War One, and a lot of us died." And he's like what it's full of a lot of stuff like that and and you the reason it's called rivers of london is one of the other turmoils going on beyond this serial killer on the loose is you find out that the spirits of the rivers that control london actually have physical embodiments that wander the streets and they're like sort of gangs and hoodlums and peter has to try to negotiate peace between two rivers to make sure that London doesn't get torn apart in violence. And it's, it, they're very cool. Yeah, it sounds it. Now, out of curiosity, because it was published in 2011, uh, does it hold up tech-wise? Yes. Um, they make reference in the first book, they talk about smartphones, but they don't necessarily make reference to iPhones. Mm-hmm. But the joke of the matter is, whenever... Peter learns to cast magic and you're, you're not supposed to use it all the time because it like zaps your life force out of you kind of thing. Right. But magic is a thing and he can do things. Uh, the other thing that magic does is it destroys technology. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he has to figure out a way at one point in the book, he keeps getting tired of having to buy a new phone because his cell phone keeps getting fried. 
And so he's figured out a way to install a switch inside his his smartphone so that he flips the switch and it turns the battery off. Right. And, and nice. as long as there's no current going into the phone, it doesn't get fried. So he's had to like jury rig all these things so that his phone doesn't die, his radio headset in the car doesn't fry. And it, it, they, 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 they do a little bit of tongue in cheek with it. That's cool though, because like one of the things that I was noticing when I read uh, Practical Demon Keeping, which is published in like the early 90s or late 90s, uh, is that there's a lot of things that I was just like, this feels like, why does this plot feel so drug out? Why is this guy racing across town to talk to this girl? And then you realize, oh, there's no cell phones, <laughs> right? Yeah. You, know, you kind of clue in and realize, oh, wait a minute. This is like when I was in high school or early university, like this did not, this kind of tech wasn't there. And they're, they're telephones and pay phones, but not, you know, uh, anything like that. And no, uh, uh, I, I just did, at the time I didn't pay attention to when the book was published. So once I looked it up, I was like, oh, now it makes sense. When when they do this, it, I will say there are moments in these books where like, oh, you need to get a hold of somebody. And whenever they do it, Peter's phone's always been fried. And you're like, oh, now he's got to race across town to get somebody or steal somebody else's phone. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so I'll have a link to that in the show notes uh, over on Goodreads for anybody that is interested in it. Moving on into the Internet Minute, uh, which is, of course, brought to you by you. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back into it. Become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member only Discord server. Uh, there is uh, multiple kind of rewards depending on the roles that you want. There's things like bonus audio, that kind of thing. Uh, but really, I'm, I'm looking at growing the base. Uh, we uh, check in at 21 patrons, which is the same as we were in October. I'm always looking to add at least one more patron per month than the month before. Uh, and that base really helps us produce the show. For a little bit of inside information for people that are wondering, even though the Citadel Cafe is a small podcast, uh, I am working on some goals on the show for some new recording equipment, um, but really just increasing the base to incre increase the show's financial viability is kind of my mission at present. Uh, we're at $34 per episode. If that sounds low, it's, it is a little bit low. Uh, and if you want to help out, then I would very much appreciate it. To give you a window into behind the scenes, prep for the show is about 60 minutes. Recording is about 90. Editing and publishing and uh, posting takes another two hours on average. So it's the better part of a half work day, if not a little bit more. I'd say about four hours for production. Uh, obviously, there's hiccups from week to week. Um, the base level uh, entry on Patreon is $1 per show or $4 per month. Uh, and to put that in perspective, a single cafe latte at Starbucks is about $4.15. So for less than a latte, you can help keep the Citadel Cafe live and on the air to your device of choice. Uh, I really enjoy producing the show and I'm hoping to do more with it in the future, but uh, check out the things at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe and know that you are helping some independent podcasting take place. Uh, this week, uh, I kind of juggle things around a little bit. I don't have a lot to say about this because I haven't actually um, watched it yet, but I'm hearing many, many good things about The Queen's Gambit. And I know that you have either started it or have um, at least uh, watched I, I, I watched it all in a single day. Wow. Holy smoke. Okay. So um, no spoilers, but like I've been hesitant because I'm not a big chess guy. And I'm hearing good things. I like any kind of like modern show that has a, a female, you know, lead, a strong female lead. 
and so uh, I'm always interested in supporting that kind of stuff. But like, what? How? How is it? Like, how do you sell it to like the non-chess people? A picture it is this picture going through the story uh, with a someone who ends up becoming a genius and a celebrity, and uh, the reality of like everybody that clings to you, people trying to give you things, uh, drugs, uh, uh, becoming so big that you don't realize the small people that got you to where you are. And then the realization that, oh, wait, I have all these friends I didn't know I had kind of thing. Mm. And that's the whole show in a, in a nutshell, uh, without spoiling too much. Uh, the main character, uh, she, uh, Beth Harmon, she, is an orphan her mother was like schizophrenic and kills herself and she ends up in an orphanage and the janitor teaches her to play chess and she becomes a chess prodigy overnight and it, it, it it's it's very much at every, if you like chess you'll notice the the subtle winks and nods to like people who like chess if you don't like chess you're in it for the story anyway you do not need to know why she moved a pawn to the spot she did, they will explain it to you, but that, that you don't need to know. Right. It's it's like tech talk in sci-fi shows. Like they're talking yes. about scanning this and double that and zoom in and enhance and all. It doesn't really matter in terms of the you know, plot's concerned. And in fact, they brought in uh, uh, Jerry Kasparov, the Russian like retired chess champion. And he was the consultant on the show for anything that had to do with chess. So that even if you're just barely following what's going on in the chess, at least all the chess moves they do make sense. Cool. So that, that nobody, nobody's getting that, that everything they do makes sense. Yeah, the internet is not going to get bent out of shape. <laughs> and of... the coolest, the the coolest thing about for me with the show is, is I don't really like period pieces. Mm. Uh, it's not my thing. Uh, but the show is a period piece. It takes place between like 1960. And uh, and and like 1985 or something like that. Cool. And uh, and car- they end up in places like Las Vegas, or uh, re- uh, they end up in uh, Mexico City at one point, and they do such a good job with the scenery and the set piecing and the set design that you don't realize sometimes, except when they do balcony shots. Uh, you don't realize that they're in a set. They do such a good job. Nice. And the outfits are all right down to the era and everything. Like there at no point do you ever question anything going on. I remember, I mean, a lot of my female friends are just raving about it, but not saying any details, just saying, oh my God, it's so good sort of thing on, on social media. Uh, one of my um, friends that has a, a bit more um, of a funny bone says like, oh my God, I love the Queen Gambits, but what the F is with this hat? And there's some, you know, lady in the 50s with a hat on. And yep. it, it is, it's a, it looks like a doily on her forehead. Yep. Like, it's ridiculous. So, But it's just stuff like that that kind of adds to the quirkiness of shows like this. That, I, 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 will awesome. say, I, will, I will say this. I... I like chess. I've always liked chess since I was a little kid, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not good at it. And uh, Erica absolutely hates chess. And I was like, come on, just watch the first episode with me. And by the end of the first episode, she was like, how many more episodes do we have? Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's only seven. And she's like, well, then let's get rolling because we got we got the rest of the day to finish this. Wow. Well, that's a good sign. Uh, so that I'm going to add that to my to my list. Sounds like a good good show to watch.
Uh, that is it for this episode of The Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that Lou and I talked about this week at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show is composed by Kevin McLeod. You can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find us by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Word of mouth is by far the easiest way to support the show. It's free. Just tell a friend about The Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. And if you know someone that likes the show, remind them about the Patreon. It's really important for the show. And that's patreon.com slash the Citadel cafe my name is joel duggan you can find everything i'm doing online including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com you can find my other podcast all about minecraft at the there's another snapshot for caves and clips out this week just came out yesterday and so we're going to be talking about that on this week's spawn chunks you can follow me at joel duggan on social media but i will point you towards twitch.tv slash joel duggan where i've been streaming a lot of minecraft and building a potato farm it sounds boring but we've had a lot of fun on stream there's been a lot of people lately and uh, i really appreciate it so come check it out it's a lot of fun lou where can people find you online the easiest place to find me is under the name busy zombie lord on all the social media and you can check out my show zombies ain't my podcast where this week we're going to talk about raise the dead a game that's been in development for like eight years and just came out a few weeks ago we got preview code uh you can also check out our video where ryan plays it and i narrate as to why he's bad at it uh <laughs> on our youtube channel you've been listening to the Citadel cafe where we are fast easy and cheap but you can only pick two <laughs>